way we consume and share news today is largely rooted in social media outlets, the reason why we decided it's important to look at what's being discussed online. Let's weed through the noise and get to the meat of the discussion for a daily social media minute. We're joined by Erica. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> We've made it to Friday. Yeah, we have. Looking outside, it looks a little bit cloudy today. I think it's going to drizzle all this morning and then by uh-huh. the afternoon it will clear out, but it's still going to be chilly. I think it's the spring showers that's uh, making the temperatures plunge a little bit. I appreciate yeah. it. It was a little too hot, a little too early for my personal taste. Agreed. <laughs> all right, let's jump into our first buzzword. You know, it's funny as I was telling the producer that maybe it's like Beetlejuice. I said his name too many times and he's returned. Steve Yu. And that's not just me singling him out. I think that's a general consensus in South Korea. There's an air of exhaustion around the story and what he wants to do, return to Korea. But apparently, this is a story we have to talk about. A court ruling in favor of a visa refusal for the the re-entry of the Korean-American singer. Yes, um, a sole court uh, ruled that the South Korean consulate general in Los Angeles made a legitimate decision to deny a visa for Yusin Jun, also known as Steve Yu, uh, who has been banned from entering the country since 2002 for allegedly evading conscription. Uh, So back in 2002, I know you all know the story already, but uh, he renounced his Korean citizenship and became a U.S. citizen Mm. just ahead of his scheduled draft as a public service worker. That is the reason why this is causing so much controversy. And uh, in the same year, in 2002, the Justice Ministry imposed an entry ban on Yoo Seung-jun, and uh, he has since been barred from entering. He did visit once a year later in 2003. Mm. He came to Korea on a three-day trip to mourn the passing of his then-fiancé's father. So even when uh, someone is banned from the country, I mean, there are these exceptions for short trips in the case of a deceased family member, right? Uh, So that was an exception. And since then, he hasn't been able to enter Korean soil. And honestly, fast forward to 2015, Steve Yu raises a legal battle against the South Korean consulate in Los Angeles after it refused to issue him a long-term visa, which is reserved for overseas nationals. So otherwise, he should have been allowed back in the country. Correct. Um, so back in 2020, the Supreme Court sided with Yu Seung-jun. Uh, it deemed at the time that the visa refusal was procedurally flawed. Mm. Now, following the top court's ruling, uh, you once again applied for a visa to enter South Korea, but again, the consulate general turned it down. So you filed a suit with the Seoul Administrative Court in the same year to reverse that decision. And it seems a court ruled in favor of that very visa refusal. You mentioned that its decision was based on procedural flaws. Uh, What kind of flaws are we talking about? Well, this is what the court said. It said the plaintiff had deceived the government agency to illegally leave the country and obtained a U.S. citizenship. Mm. It said that the nature and methodology of what he did was unjust Mm. and that his actions constitute a threat to the maintenance of order in South Korea and public interest. 
Kishimche. It's something that I think has been labeled with Steve Yu's case for a very long time. And he's been sort of called out for potentially... Uh, destructing the morale of uh, the the manpower that South Korea needs to rely on, right? Uh, for context, yep. uh, let's let's remind our listeners: roughly two years of military service is mandatory mandatory for all able-bodied young men in South Korea, as the country is technically at war with North Korea. That's right. Now, the court stressed that his evading the mandatory military service obviously uh, deals a blow to South Korean draftees who risk their lives for national security. Mm. And uh, the court also pointed out that Yusung Jun, in fact, does not need a long-term visa to enter South Korea. He is perfectly capable of entering the country on a short-term state permit mm. if he needs to. Uh, he's capable, again, short-term state permits are allowed. A visa is an entirely different story because yeah. it would allow him to work here. It would allow him to... Uh, gain certain tax benefits. And these are all sticking points, I think, that are raised by critics for the legitimacy around Steve Yu's so-called reasoning to return to his homeland. And I think that's where the air of exhaustion comes from. Even his plea for forgiveness, it didn't feel sincere and, and things like that. Yeah, you know, he went on YouTube numerous times. He went on TV a few times. Uh, He was crying. He was seen crying. and He was seen apologizing. Uh, One video that was posted, I think it was last year. He he was seen, you know, he was angry. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, what did I do that Mm. is making so many people so angry? The thing is, an apology is only an apology if those who you're seeking, uh, well, trying to apologize to actually says, yes, that's enough. Isn't that the nature of an apology? You can't just throw it out there and and say, I did my part. You make it so well. Right. As a full grown adult, even seeing beyond uh, the mistakes clearly the singer had made in his youth, and, and some people might even say that he was much younger when he made these mistakes in the public eye. And I, I can't understand what it's like to have that much public scrutiny. However, as a fully grown adult now, um, is this the best way to return to your homeland? I'm not quite sure. Mm. And uh, there are a few things that South Koreans get very angry yeah. about, and one of them is definitely related to the military service. Exactly. There was a yep. very big shift, I, I, I think, following this scandal and another one with um, MC Mong. Yep. Uh, it's it's almost as if Korean celebrities now want to make a point to enlist and uh, seek the toughest positions possible to, as if to make a point. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there for now. But I have a feeling it's not the last of it. <laughs> All right. On to our second buzzword. The Tunja International Film Festival 2022 opens with 217 films from 52 countries. That's right. Uh, the festival kicked off its 10-day run yesterday in the city of Tonju, uh, in the southwest part of uh, South Korea. Uh, the annual film festival is um, South Korea's largest showcase of indie films, art house films. And uh, this year's festival is the 23rd edition since its inaugural edition back in 2000. It's going to run until May 7th. Mm-hmm. And uh, the in-person opening ceremony took place yesterday at the Chunju Dome. Uh, it started with, of course, the red carpet walk <laughs> with all the celebrities. And uh, the ceremony itself was hosted by actors Chang Han-sung and Yuina 
and it was streamed live on uh, the the film festival's YouTube channel. GIF. <laughs> yeah, GIF. <laughs> that just sounds funny to me. It has taken two years for the festival to host the event on its regular scale, meaning in-person event, as you've said. It's yeah. the 21st edition that took place entirely online after a month-long delay due to COVID-19. And the 22nd version last year was held in hybrid format, so we slowly made a comeback, apparently. You mentioned over 200 films from 52 countries. Uh, what kind of films are there? <laughs> well, they include 123 foreign films and 94 Korean films. Many of these are being shown for the first time. Mm. Uh, of all the invited works, 112 films will also be available on GIF's online platform. Um, the sci-fi film After Young, directed and written by Korean-American Kogonada, who directed four episodes of the series uh, Pachinko, mm. uh, will open the festival. The French drama film Full Time by Eric Gravel will close the event. All right. So, I mean, usually those are the ones to look out for. The opening film, the closing film, the high-profile one. That's an easy place to start, I think. Uh, there's, all, of course, a competition section at these film festivals. Uh, which movies are yes. competing? Well, there are nine films chosen for the Korean competition section, including Mother and Daughter, Archaeology of Love, and drown. And what is worth noting is that more than half of this year's invitees were helmed by female film directors. Ah. Um, and for this year's GIF, director Yeon Sang Ho of Train to Busan will serve as a special programmer. There's also going to be a screening session to present works of renowned South Korean director Lee Chang Dong. Definitely giving Biff a run for its money. Big names to be showcased yes. at GIF this year. And on to our last story before I let you go. A Samsung ad, I believe like a minute long ad, so it's one of those longer ones, maybe meant more for streaming sites, but apparently it features a woman running alone at 2 a.m. and it's getting sort of a public backlash for being naive and to think that someone can go running at 2 a.m. without the fear of maybe a potential uh, attacker. You know, um, as, as a South Korean woman living here in South Korea, I've, see, I've seen, I mean, it's perfectly normal to see women walking around yeah. late at night without feeling threatened. That's also um, true. Not to say that crime does not happen here in South Korea. Right. That would be a little bit naive to say. But um, this particular ad titled Night Owls features a young woman uh, running at 2 a.m. Uh, she's, uh, she's running through these dark streets and alleyways. And at one point, she runs past a man on a bike on a deserted bridge. Mm. And uh, while the woman is running, there's a voiceover that says, I run on a different schedule mine and uh, the basic message is there's nothing wrong with marching to the beat of your own drum got it which is all good yeah but uh, here's why the ad is being criticized for being insensitive um the ad comes after the death of 23 year old uh, ashley murphy who was attacked while you know she was out running along a canal in dublin earlier this year mm -hmm. and also the murder of sarah everard uh, she was raped and killed by a serving police officer while walking home in south uh, London in March last year. So the timing, I have to say, it, it's a little too soon, I think. All right. So given the maybe the social context, was it too soon for us to maybe uh, put out these ads? Uh, I, I think that's also important where it was being actually streamed and aired. Yeah. Was it insensitive? So how did Samsung respond to the criticisms then? 
Well, the company said that the ad campaign was designed with a positive message in mind to celebrate individuality and the freedom to exercise at all hours. And uh, it said it was never its intention to be insensitive to ongoing conversations around women's safety. Thank you very much, Erica, for today's coverage. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. weekend. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.